0: I'm Jamie and I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast where I steal the podcast. That was wrong. That was wrong. <laughs> Hi I'm Jamie.
1: Could <laughs> <laughs> oh, you this didn't is roll the- into
0: your next bit quick enough? I'm
1: so sorry. Okay 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 okay. Let's... And then I was like
0: what goes next here and then I just said it and then mm-hmm.
1: I'm like. <laughs> I'm so sorry please um please let's try again. Hi I'm Jamie and I'm Beth. I'm Bath. I'm <laughs> I can't even say my name. Oh my god. And I'm Beth, welcome to Thief Steals
0: the Podcast, where I steal the podcast and I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about the ninth episode of the third season called The Three Card Monty Job. I want to know your thoughts for reasons that I am assuming are abundantly clear. Well, Jamie,
1: sorry. we watched this episode together, so you know all of my thoughts and feelings already. <laughs> still have to ask, you though. I know.
0: What did you think? I,
1: okay, here's the thing. I haven't watched Leverage in about a month Mm. and I don't know. Okay. I'm about to say something that's wild. Mm -hmm. I, because it's been a while, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've just missed Leverage. And so coming back to an episode, I'm very fond and I'm like, oh, I love this episode. Or if this is actually unironically my favorite episode of Leverage yet. I can't tell. Unfortunately, because it's been a while, I,
0: I genuinely do not know which of those two. However, it is... I, Here's the thing. for It's so good. I, I don't know anything for certain, but I do think that if it is unironically your favourite episode of Leverage so far, uh-huh. that would track. Because for me, this is like the closest to a supernatural episode we've ever had on average oh like this episode is so heavily supernatural coding do you know
1: what you are actually so right like maybe
0: that's what it is like it is (laughs) obviously it's not supernatural it but it it definitely does have some of like it has some very similar vibes the john coding yeah i the sam coding of mm, mm Nate. like there's even some Dean coding in there Mm -hmm. and i
1: i loved this episode. I, that's probably very clear. I did not expect, like, I remember at some point you mentioning that we get to know more information about Nate's dad. For yeah. some reason, I assumed we wouldn't learn the information. I didn't think we'd meet him. I don't know why that was an assumption that I had. I don't know if I thought he was dead or what, but I just didn't expect him to actually appear on my screen. When Nate said, hello, dad, I was like, I mean, you, you recorded it, you know exactly what so I was I. Like,
0: we did record it, so right here, I'm going to roll the tape <laughs> of Beth's reaction to Nate saying, hello, Dad. The ominous music is such
1: a vibe. Mm.
0: Fuck off!
1: <laughs> what? No. No, 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 no.
0: Oh, did I mention that's a reason I wanted a live reaction for this? <laughs> what the fuck? I told you he made an important character.
1: Oh my god! I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not speechless often.
0: (laughs) Look, when I say there's a reason I want your live reactions, I, I... Did I not mention this is a leverage equivalent of like dead man's blood or something like that?
1: uh, I'm... I'm aware that we're recording my audio reaction, but the problem is that I'm processing things in a very silent way, <laughs> and I can't pause these fucking ads, and it's really fucking with my brain, so I'm, I'm trying
0: Just to... Just take out your headphones for, for a minute. I'll I, pause I, it if the show comes back on. I... I... Do you have anything that you would like to... Well, the whole breaking fingers things make
1: sense mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But also... What the f- fu- Wait, wait, but does this mean that his dad is all, like, mixed up with, like, the Italian woman? Also, is Nate Italian? <laughs> is that- <laughs> Is this an important part of his character that we should know? Like- No. Okay, well, it could have been. Wait, no, are they Russian? I'm confused. So- his- Also, his dad has such fun facial hair. Like, he-
0: <laughs> Well, we're going to get more about-
1: Well, I assume so. I- but- it's- the, sh- the episode still has over 30 minutes left. I didn't
0: think that this was gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna get more information about Nate's father. But how do how do you feel having met Nate's father? Here's the thing, I don't know anything
1: yet. No. What I am excited to see is the rest of the team getting to know Nate's father. Because I feel like that could be an eye-opening experience for all of us. Are you ready to continue? I don't know, Jamie. I, <laughs> I- like, I. The only thing that I can think to say is literally, what the fuck? Or, get fucked. Like, that's the only reaction that I'm currently having inside my brain, inside my mind. I am so glad that you're here for this because I feel like I need some emotional support right now. Um,
0: Leverage is supposed to just be the silly little show. <laughs> okay. But so in what we know so far about Nate's father, uh huh, is literally He's just that. Psychopath. Psychopath. He's working with the Russians who are beating up and blackmailing innocent people into committing crimes.
1: It's so wild. Like, how is Nate, who is easily the person I like the least of the core cast, the exact opposite of his dad, who is, like, terrible? I Unless he was originally blackmailed into it and, like, it's like a whole reverse psychology thing. I don't... I don't... I'm confused. You'll see how it goes. I am intrigued. I am nervous. Mm. I am startled. But <laughs>
0: you're ready, just plug on in and we can continue. I don't
1: know if I'm going to be ready. Look, do you know what? I feel about as ready for this as I feel when you tell me that you've got a new theory. <laughs>
0: Feeling it? Yeah. Alright, here we go. Yeah, that was her reaction. I stand by it. I feel like you almost blew my eardrum out with your what the fuck. Look,
1: okay. Here's the thing, though. I think it's justified because truly... What the fuck?
0: Like, I... And yes, because you had asked previously, because we get a little bit of information specifically in two... Like, we have two episodes that I think are really going to be relevant for us to draw upon here. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically, the Beantown Bailout job and then the Bottle job. Both are season two episodes. And I was like, well, we get some information. And obviously, Beantown Bailout job, we learn that the O'Hares, who they're going after, know who Nate is because of his father. Yeah. And then in the bottle job, we get some more elaboration. We learn that the bar where Nate has set up is the criminal bar where his dad used to conduct his business. Yeah, we even get a flashback. We get a flashback. We see him break the guy's wrist. We get the line, you're, you're exactly like your father, Mm -hmm. which is very, very fun Mm -hmm. because then we get to this episode and we find out that Nate is a disappointment for his father. I know. He says it very distinctly. And I feel like in the reunion job, you said, do we ever get any information about what Nate was like in high school? Oh, yeah. This is the closest I think we're ever going to get to getting okay. actual solid information. Okay. And I would say that it probably goes against what you were thinking in that his alter boy son, who never broke a rule, never da-da-da-da-da. I don't think his altar boy son was a massive bully.
1: Okay. Here's, here's the
0: thing. But there is it doesn't explicitly say anything against that
1: not to sam code nate further but yeah. because of all the card tricks and stuff
0: this yeah. episode i do
1: feel like maybe teenage nate went through a magic phase <laughs> oh yeah. I, 100%, yeah I feel like i've already got
0: canon confirmation of that and I've kind the of, top hat
1: job you're so right oh my god yes head canon accepted 100 percent. nate
0: had a magician phase calling it now well otherwise Why would he know how to do all of those magic tricks for the top hat job? Like, those aren't the sort of magic tricks that you can just learn within, like, a couple of hours. Like, Nate had to have those skills already. I mean, I just kind of assumed it came along with the sleight of hand skills of a thief. Like, I just figured, like, maybe Parker had
1: taught him, like, on the side when they were bored one day. But, like, honestly, I love this.
0: My personal headcanon for why he knows magic is that he learned it for his son. Oh. When his son was going through treatment. So it was, like, a way to distract his son. You just maybe had emotions about Nate. <laughs> like, honestly,
1: good job. <laughs> like,
0: obviously, we don't get any, like, confirmation one way or the other. Like, we don't know why Nate knows magic. But I have always well, just assume... I would that argue, I,
1: probably... I think we now know. I think we've just given some excellent reasons yeah. why Nate knows magic.
0: Whether he had a high school magic phase or... Honestly, it was... Why not have both? What kind of La 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 But no, so now we've met Nate's father and we can understand some of the reasons why he's an absolute fucking emotional mess.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: The family trauma is real. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, dumb hats run in the family. Dumb
0: hats run in the family. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. And the fact that Jimmy Papadopoulos shows up in this episode, which, yeah. first of all, love that. Incredible. Beautiful. Mwah, it was excellent. Favourite alias of all time. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Like, obviously. And he wasn't even wearing a hat for it. Yeah. But... He wasn't even wearing the suit. He just had the energy. I adore it. It's incredible. But also, also,
0: Jimmy. The yeah. name Jimmy specifically, I, like... And we have had Nate use Jimmy Ford as an alias before. <sighs> In the bottle job where he's going up against a loan shark who's oh my god in the bar where his dad used to be a loan shark. Bro.
1: I am loving this. See, here's the thing about leverage. Mm. I want a cork board. For leverage. Like, because Mm -hmm. the thing is, like, so many little things get dropped, but, like, and we've talked about this before, but, like, with leverage, they drop in so many little things that you don't think would be important. Mm -hmm. And then, like, later, you get a reveal for something, in this case, like, a season later... Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, all these little bits. If you had not reminded me of those moments in the bottle job yeah. and in the Town bailout job, particularly the Beantown bailout job... Because
0: that's been a season and I, a half since we had that moment exactly. where we learnt about the O'Hairs. I struggle to remember what
1: happened two episodes ago, let alone what happened a season ago, mm. you know, like, not in that detail yeah. anyway. And so, like, one, I'm very glad that you're here to tell me these things because it blows my mind, like, <laughs> you know. But also, it is just so fucking interesting. Like, I... And it's one of those things that does make me want to, like, go back and rewatch because I want to be looking for these little things. I want to have that, like, oh, my God, they dropped that, like, moment that you can have. Like, that's one of the things that I love about my favorite medias is I feel like you can go back and rewatch them. And it's a richer experience because now you're noticing the things that before you would have just gone straight over your head. And I love that. Whether it's intentional that they've done it this way or
0: they've, like, retroactively gone, hey, remember that thing we said? What if we made it relevant? Either way, I think it's great. And I think that they also definitely do have an example of that in this episode. Specifically, Sophia's little orphan Annie ties directly into her in I think it's the Bean Town bailout job where they're like, how do you get mugged, guys? And she's like two glasses mm. of Chianti and a story about my grandmother in Sicily. Yeah. She does the same thing here. Yeah. She essentially gets them with the Russian equivalent, which is saying I'm... Like, my parents were from Russia. Like, yeah, this is where I
1: was from. This is where I'm from.
0: Like, she's essentially using a fabricated false history mm-hmm. to, like, worm her way in. Yeah. Which I think is very, very fun, especially considering all of the other parallels between this episode mm-hmm. and the Beantown bailout job. I would quite like, and as, like, a podcast
1: little, like, behind-the-scenes note, at the end of, you know, seasons and stuff, and at the end of, like, for example, in our Supernatural podcast, which you haven't already listened to, you should go check that out. Um, I meant we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming up to the end of the first five seasons of the Kripke era, and so we're looking at doing some bonus episodes, like, going back and maybe reviewing some stuff and going over things from the whole first sort of era of the show. And, like, honestly, when we get to the end of Leverage it, like, I would be quite interested in maybe going back and, like, watching a couple of episodes and yeah. then comparing directly, because this kind of tie-in is so specific. Mm. And, like, I think that it adds a lot of depth, both to the intricacy of the overarching story that is, like, the Leverage universe, mm. but also to, like, Nate's character and to Sophie's car- and to, like, all of these little bits. Like, I was watching this episode and I was thinking about, okay, so, like, Jimmy, like, He's a brand new character, basically, at this point. Like, what are we learning about him? I'm like, oh, he's been in prison. Okay, how long has he been in prison? Does he even fucking know about Maggie and Sam? Like, and if he does, to what extent does he know about Maggie and Sam? He doesn't bring them up in the episode. So, like, does he know that, like, they've separated? I would assume he at least knows that Sam's died. I would assume
0: that he knows... Because of other things he says. okay because they talk he talks about oh my alter voice are never break a rule, never break a law. look at you now. you're a thief just like me. yeah, you've been to prison yeah. okay so so it, I'm he's- assuming he's keeping up with his son and I'm assuming it's through like like he was a fixer like he took a henchman. And matched him with the bad guy. Yeah. And so I'm assuming he has a huge network Network. of people who are feeding him information. Yeah, finger in every pie kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's sort of like, so I'm assuming he knows about sort of what, obviously not what Nate's been up to because I don't think anyone really knows truly what the team is doing. Other than the people they're helping, it's very specific. We get it in the 207, the two-life crew job that – um. Stark, who um, Sophie had previously worked with, mm-hmm. had no idea. All he knew was that Nate was on the scene mm-hmm. and Nate and his crew are fucking
1: terrifying. Yeah. I also think that, like, even the people that they're helping truly do not understand the, the understand scope, the scope yeah. of what the crew is doing. Like, except for that one episode, it was a recent one, and I was like, why is she even here still? It was very confusing. Hardison was flirting with the her. Double the double blind time. job. The double blind job. Thank you. Pretzels. Pretzels! Thank you! Yes, oh my god. I have, fuck, I have the memory of a literal goldfish. But, yeah, so excluding that episode, I would say that basically none of the people that they're helping really understand the lengths yes. to which they go to pull these comms to help them. You know, they kind
0: of... It's sort of like ignorance is bliss.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so it's very fascinating to, like, watch all these like intersectional things come together because, like, this is... Nate and the crew are the criminal underground, but also they're not the only criminal underground. And, like, the criminal undergrounds have very different sort of motives and tactics and, like, one of the things I really wanted to talk about for this episode, actually, is the fact that because Jimmy, one, is of an older generation, Hmm. but two, has been in prison for, like, I would assume a good
0: chunk of the last decade, say, because we don't get, like, a time span, do we, right? Like... I think we can pretty safely assume, though, that he's been in prison since before the show started. That was kind of my guess. And, like, we're season three now, so, like, roughly three-ish
1: years. Like, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to guess he's been in prison at least the last five to ten years, right? Depending on, you know, the gravity of... You know, whatever.
0: But but we also know that he went to prison not necessarily for something he did, but because he he took took the the fool for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Which is, again, very, like, wedding job vibes.
1: Yeah, and also we don't know if he got out, like, on good behaviour. Like, he got out early or, like, however, whatever. So my guess was somewhere between five to ten years, depending on different circumstances. But... I wanted to talk about the fact that, like, Jimmy kept making reference to, and I think Nate actually mentioned it as well when they were going through the, like, you know, bits about Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he ran this town, or I run this town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, you've been out of the game so long, you don't even know what the game is. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still talking about the three-card Monty. Like, you don't get it. It's a different world now. Like, and it, I think that's really well sort of established in that moment where he's explaining to Nate this is how we're going to take this information from this guy Mm. and Nate's like you literally don't need to do fucking any of that like the two of us can get it from him literally right now
0: we can get it from him right now with less work. And uh-huh. also a higher chance that he doesn't even notice yeah. that the information's been taken. Yeah. Which means that then the mark of the con, the police precinct, yeah. doesn't know that they have a security weakness. Exactly. Whereas if this dude carrying a briefcase full of passwords for a whole bunch of banks and the police precinct mm-hmm. gets stolen.
1: Yeah. They then they're gonna notice. reset
0: everything. Yeah, exactly. And like the whole concept with like Nate having the
1: remote control and being like, no, no, like this is a better way to do it. And I was like, this is so interesting. But it it's and the other thing actually is that Nate was saying to him like, no, no, for you it's always been about respect. It's not yeah. about you know the it's money not about the or money. whatever. It's not. It's about the respect. And I think that is interesting because I don't know if it's people have different ideas of like what respect is. And I think that this is really interesting because I would argue that what Jimmy wants is not necessarily respect. I think he wants he wants what he wants is control and the way that he gets that is through fear. Mm-hmm. But it is disguised as respect. Like, people will treat him respectfully, but not because they respect him. Because they are scared of him, mm-hmm. right? And, like, that is very different to what Nate is doing. Nate's team respect him genuinely. Mm-hmm. And, like, for all his flaws, his motivations are generally good and they're not scared of him. The people who are being conned by Nate's crew yeah. are scared of them because they understand the threat that they pose to their operations.
0: But even then, nine times out of ten, the way they get in is through respect. Yeah. Is through gaining the trust of the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's so interesting, like, just seeing the ways that – Nate's crew run a job. And because we're so used to seeing it from their perspective, yeah. I think the audience, or at least this has been my experience, you kind of get used to, like, yeah, this is how you run a con. Mm. This is the process. This is how you do it. But then it's so fascinating to see, and we kind of get it with the 2 mm. live crew job, but in a different way. Like, you get to see the way that other criminal organizations are yeah. going about things. And it's just so different. But it's also, like, it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. It's just that Nate and the rest of the team are such a tightly like well-oiled machine at this point And they have so many different strengths and they know how Mm. to play off them. Like, Parker in this episode, rattling off all of the fucking information about the banks and, like, what security they've got to the point where she's literally laughing at them is just perfect. She knows how many banks there are. She knows how many have these types of security systems. Obviously.
0: Off the top of her head. That's what she does for fun. I love the fact, though, they keep on being like, oh, Hardison will need to work this out. And Parker's like... (laughs) (laughs) Hardison? I've I really like like she's like
1: I already fucking know and it's so good and like all of them immediately respect her on that. No one is like, oh, we better fact check that. No. Everyone's like Parker knows and yeah. we respect that. Whereas I feel like if it was Jimmy in Nate's place, he would have had someone go behind to yeah. double check her kind of thing. And like, yes, in theory that sounds like a good idea. Yeah,
0: but also he's like. Nate understands that, like, no, no, Parker is on top of this. If Parker Parker says says this is true, Parker knows. Like, Parker's not going to just make up some stuff to make herself look good. Mm -hmm. Like, Parker knows. Mm -hmm. I also think it's fascinating because, like, we talk about, like, the collateral damage sometimes the crew does with their jobs. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to look at, like, the difference between something like this Mm -hmm. and the crew because the crew really does try to minimize the collateral damage. Yeah. They're very precise. They're very surgical. Whereas, like, the the Russians that... It's a much more smash and grab situation. It's a smash and grab. It's, smash and grab. It's, very, it's way less precise. It's way less controlled because they're just using brute force for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, this
1: kind of comes back to what I was saying before where it's, like, it's a different generation of criminal. And it's fucking fascinating. Like, it just makes for a really interesting dynamic. And I think... Part of why I love it is that it fits in so well with the way that the episode wraps up, with Nate basically being like, No, no, you don't understand. I run this town now. Mm -hmm. And it's not because people are scared of him, but it's just like, Oh my God, that part where he says to the guy, Oh my God, I wrote it down actually. Okay, the part where Nate says, Think about what I could do for you or to you. I was like, Yes. Yes, because it's a way to show him, like, hey, I'm willing, I'm ready and willing to help you out. However, understand that if you fuck me over, it's not going to go well for you. Like, the first of all, the audacity, but also I love that for him.
0: (laughs) I do want to say, though, and I do want us to reflect upon, because I think it's a really important point of the episode. Yeah. Nate's father, his response to Nathan blackmailing all of the gangs on his behalf is like, oh my god, you're more ruthless than me. You're this, that, the other. And then he Nate walks away and rejoins the team. And the mm-hmm. team's like, oh wow, you went really light on him. Mm-hmm. You were so nice. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking hilarious. I know. I also think it's so funny that while they're
1: having that conversation, there's like strings in the background. Yeah. And I'm like literally the world's tiniest violin playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But also... Um, Nate sending his dad on, like, a boat to, like, leave the country is his version of putting him in a retirement home, and I just think that's so funny. <laughs> I do want to talk about, actually, when Nate has the gun on Jimmy, I genuinely, I didn't think that he was going to shoot him, but I wasn't sure where that was going to go. My guess was that because, you know, he says to him, he's like, you know, I'm going to yeah. give you the option or whatever, and he's like, you're not going to shoot me or whatever. I was like, I have a feeling that... Nate has set something up so that if Jimmy walks out, it's actually going to be worse for him than if he stayed mm. and like, you know, gone to the And prison he absolutely did. And then I was immediately vindicated like five minutes later. Yeah. But I also think it is like really, really interesting because it's that whole, you're so right. The reason I love this episode is because it's so supernatural coded, but like, it's so Sam versus Dean. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I've ever told you this, and this is way more discussion for the supernatural pod, but I'm pretty sure that when they first pitched the pilot, the concept was actually
0: that john was already dead because dean had killed him i don't think you've ever told me that i was there i've certainly heard because like our good friend kj is writing a a rewrite and they're running
1: with that yeah Yeah.
0: whereas john is already dead but like i didn't realize that was the original pitch it was an original thing
1: that they could have gone with yeah Um, I'm pretty sure. I would have to double fact check that. But yeah, the concept was that Dean was going to show and be like, oh, dad's missing. But no, Dean uh, Dean knew exactly where John was. He was dead because Dean had shot him. And so, yeah, like for me, I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, "Uh, oh my goodness. But then it's also like that whole like Sam not being able to shoot John, even though he's like, shoot me, son. You know, like whatever. So I I just, my brain just kind of did something silly with that information.
0: And we're certainly going to... We're gonna get more information about Nate and guns, just like we're gonna get more information about like Elliot and guns. Like, mm, I feel it was like weird seeing Nate hold a gun in a show like this. Their relationship to violence is integral. Mm-hmm. Like, there is just something so like we even get like a really interesting line from Sophie in this episode. Um, where she specifically says, like, she's talking about how these guys are the worst of the worst because they destroy families, they ruin lives, they force innocent peoples to commit crimes, yeah, which leads them to like, you know, they start questioning, like, they were so helpless, they start feeling that I sort love stuff, that or they one feel guilt, and then Nate's like, "Well, what did you do exactly?" And she's like, "Well, I stole art from rich guys who could afford it." Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it's interesting to look at the ways in which their past are coloured by violence. Yeah. Because it's all in very interesting and unique ways based on what they did before they joined the crew. Yeah,
1: and I also really appreciate that, like, it's interesting to look at all of their moral codes because, like, they're still technically committing crimes, but it's interesting to see where they draw the line of, like, well, it's okay to commit crime up to this point. And then the crime becomes the bad kind of crime, you know? And so I think that's just really interesting.
0: And, like, yeah. seeing where all... Of, because, like... It's like Parker being like, yeah, I'll rob a bank in broad daylight while it's already being robbed. But, you know, piracy is a crime.
1: Yeah, literally, you know? Or <laughs> piracy, it's a crime. Or, like, um, yeah, Sophie being like, you know, I will steal art from any, like, you know, museum or, or private gallery or whatever. But, like, you know... I draw the line at actually hurting people, you know? Like, I feel like Sophie would be more likely to steal a piece from the British Museum and then take it back to wherever the British Museum stole yeah. it from, like, than but at anything least these else. Days. Like, previously she would have just kept it for herself, but... I don't know, man. I feel like... I feel like there's the potential where if, like, she... St- if she stole a piece of art and was like, you know what? This belongs in Egypt. Like, I feel like she... You know, I like to think yeah. that she would have been like,
0: well... Though, to be fair, I think we pretty well get confirmation that a lot of Sophie's stealing previously is from, like, specific wealthy, like, collectors. Yeah. Like, it's not so much museums and that. Just because the nature of museums, it's harder as a grifter to rob them.
1: Yeah, harder as a one-person,
0: yeah, like... Yeah, as a one-person unit. Whereas, like, a lot of Parkers was from museums and galleries. Because mm. her skill sets are very good for getting around security system, whereas... Sophie needs a security system that one person could turn off. Mm, mm -hmm. Whereas Parker just gets around it. So like she's more likely to go for the security systems that she can exploit multiple different people's sort of blind spots to get around it versus.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it depends on like each person in the team's individual expertise as well, because like. Yeah, it makes way more sense for Sophie to, like, rob someone's private collection than it does to rob something publicly, like, whatever. Because she needs the backup more so in a public setting. Whereas, like, for Parker, who's, like, primary... One of her primary skills is, like, sleight of hand and stuff. Like, having, you know being in a public space makes that easier because there's like louder and there's more people go like going yeah. around like it's easier to bump into someone you know yeah. like if you bumped into someone in their private home first of all you have to have a reason to be in their private yeah. home which is immediately not her area of expertise it's Sophie's yeah. so like you know it's it's a whole
0: yeah and there's a w- lot of things that come into the it's context. really interesting because I would argue that Parker and Sophie of the team they're the two most similar in terms yeah. of what they would steal mhm Mm-hmm.
1: But also their motivations for why they would steal it are completely different. Yeah. For Sophie, she wants to steal the art partly because she just seems like a sort of an art ho, but like also because so it's like re- art ho. <laughs> and you know, part of it is like the prestige. Like she yeah. likes to like know like the whole two David job. Yeah. Like that's part of it. Whereas Parker likes money yeah you know if, parker also likes the prestige oh yeah she but likes parker likes money yeah exactly like if she's she, is she stealing, doesn't like spending money she just likes having it exactly if she is stealing a piece of art it's to fence it later yeah. whereas like i feel like sophie's stealing art to put it in her own private gallery yeah
0: like i feel like sophie has just like a storage unit you know, of like priceless art yeah like,
1: yeah you she, know. she just has that yeah and i love that for her You know, and then, like, you know, everyone everyone has their own different motives. Mm. And then the way that that ties into their own skills and it's just, we're getting really off track. And we
0: will be examining more on this topic at later dates because there are other episodes that will be really relevant to this Mm. coming down the track where we will re-examine this exact point. But, like, I feel like it's really interesting that we can even see now in an episode like this that isn't about theft really at all. No. Is purely about Nate working out some daddy issues.
1: Yeah, it's basically how to sum it up, yeah. Oh, before we get off Sophie, though, I have two quick points I want to make. Number one, the moment when she says to Nate, let me be a bit clearer, how about you sit this one out? Beautiful. Chef's kiss. Love it. We do have
0: an auditory reaction to that one, so I'll I'll whack that in here.
1: Oh, snap. Oh, big words. Stop being John-coded, I swear to God.
0: I just...
1: This is actually another really good sort of separation between Nate and Jimmy. Yeah. Which is that no one could have spoken to Jimmy like that Nothing. and gotten away with it. Whereas Nate will listen to his team. Like, and I don't mean that he will listen to what they say and actually, he like... He might
0: listen to them and do it, but he will at least acknowledge their
1: point of view. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, he'll be like, I understand that's how you feel. However, I am going to ignore it. Whereas Jimmy would just... Be like, fuck off, basically, yeah. you know. And so I do think that's really interesting. But also, Sophie's gold jacket. I what a choice.
0: I'm Viola, Viola, Digastino. <laughs> like I don't really have anything else like,
1: to say about it.
0: I I just love every scene where she's pretending to be Viola Digastino. Yeah. Like the 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 original scene where Moffat and Davies. Oh yes. Incredible reference. Yeah. The Doctor Who references <laughs> never cease in this show. Um. But she's getting arrested, and they're like, yeah. And then we also get her with her lawyer Jimmy Papadopoulos, incredible. which is just incredible, flawless, snow notes, like mm-hmm. literally nothing. She is she is an icon. She's impeccable. She is the moment. Being handcuffed in a bloody police station is a recurring nightmare for her. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I love it. I also love Elliot defending Sophie as well. Like, when she's like, oh, look what I found in the alley. And he's like, oh, wow, a map we've already seen. And Elliot's like, shut up, Nate. This is your fault.
0: And I was like, yeah, Elliot, you tell him. It is his fault. I also just really love the fact that you can see the moment where Nate gets pickpocketed. Mm. Like, you, if you actually watch the scene, you can work out exactly what Nate's father is doing. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's one of those things where, like, I was too distracted in the moment by the fact that yeah. they'd immediately
0: headbutt that dude. <laughs> Which <are> iconic <laughs> moment. Which I, I so do fun. love the scene later on where they're sitting at the bar and he goes, I used to always tell you you're too much of a thinker. You've got to be a scrapper. Yeah. Well, I was right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. We're, we're really getting, like, the John coding out of mm-hmm. Jimmy in this mm-hmm. scene. Because like, even wearing the
1: fucking leather jacket, like, it's a bit much, honestly.
0: And we have the scene, before we even know who Jimmy Ford is – We see him take a sip out of the flask. I'm like, that is Nate Coden.
1: Yeah. Like, we are
0: already, like, establishing early on.
1: Yeah. Actually, I said this to you when we were watching it, but I'm going to reinstate it here. Jimmy gives me the same vibe as a shark that can smell blood in the water. Like, he feels predatory.
0: I mean, he was a lone shark for a bit there. (laughs) But, like, do you know
1: what I mean? Like, it's... Mm. He just feels predatory like i don't know really how else to describe it like and i think that that really ties into like yeah that moment when like because he already knows when he's sitting down with nate and nate's got the ice pack or whatever and
0: you know he's He's already pickpocketed he's
1: already pickpocketed him like now all he's doing is
0: covering it up so that nate is not suspicious yeah and i'm like wow fuck you man like which makes it really fascinating for me the fact that nate draws the very the very conscious like sort of he, he makes a very specific differentiation yeah. between chess being Nate's game and three-card Monty being Jimmy's. Yeah. And how Jimmy's game is based around the Queen never even being on the table. Yeah, Like, the idea is that you cannot win because he's already cheated.
1: This is, like, a weird kind of way to put it, but, like, it kind of feels like the gentleman's game versus... Like, do you know what I mean? Versus the Thieves game. Yeah, exactly. Like, we have talked about the whole concept of Nate and Sterling and the game of chess, you know. And, like, the fun thing about that is that they can both see all the pieces on the board. They're just trying to predict how the other person is going to manipulate them. They're
0: both playing inherently the same game. Yeah. Whereas Nate gets blindsided because he's thinking like he's playing chess, but he's actually playing three-card Monty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would argue Nate should have figured it out sooner, if I'm being totally honest.
0: He was just blindsided by the fact it was his father. I know, but, like, that should have been the first red flag, you know? Like, he And knew. it was the first red flag. Sophie was out here calling him out on it. I know. The like, issue is he's too, like, he's too certain of himself to think, oh, no, actually, my dad's going to blindside me.
1: Yeah, I just think that, I think part of it is that Nate has got a bit cocky.
0: mm and honestly, like, he is showing off
1: so fucking hard. Like, in that moment where they're, like, dropping the pills or whatever and playing yeah. that guy, like, he's showing off. And I, can't, like, I get it. He's trying to, like, impress his dad or whatever. But it's also like, it's partly for the sake of the con, because he's trying to get in his dad's good graces. But it's also, like, he's just showing off because it's his dad. Mm. And I'm like... It's the
0: Nate Ford has daddy issues episode. I, I don't know. know what to tell you. it's I just, feel like that's the reason that you like this episode so much.
1: I, look, you're not wrong. I
0: <laughs> Oh, also the guy they robbed, he seems so nice and also he's dressed so
1: cast-coated that it made me sad that they conned him. <laughs> oh, also, Jimmy makes a comment. And the comment is you've still got some pretty cousins back there.
0: Weird. That's
1: disgusting.
0: Like it's so weird. Ew. Why are you ew. saying that the cousins are parody? Like, what is? What are
1: you talking? What are you saying, Jimmy? What the fuck does that mean? Like, I know what it means. I just wish I didn't. But
0: that it's just a weird line. I don't know why the cousins are is it? It's so unnecessary too. Mm.
1: Like they could have made. They could have said anything. To be like, oh, yeah, like, the appeals of home or whatever. But, like, they went with your cousins are pretty. Weird. It's a fucking... Do you know what? It does add to the supernatural coding.
0: <laughs> like, unnecessary, gross, and misogynistic. Slots right in. <laughs> Look, while we're talking about things that I think are vaguely supernatural coded, <laughs> we have to talk about how sibling coded Elliot and Parker are in this episode. Oh, my God. The when fucking crowbar. The crowbar. I'm like... <laughs> Elliot's like, "We'll check it again," and she's like, "I've checked it three times. There is nothing oh, here."
1: I know, and like the part where like he's like, "Don't throw crowbars at people," when she goes back in the day, "Don't crowbars at people." Incredible, iconic. I love this episode the so fucking Ebene much. Is so real. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, oh my god, we haven't even touched on Hardison yet. This episode, no Hardison, we yeah. Grabbing the orange drink as he's like running for his life. I'm like, babe, is that really your top priority? Yes, emergency supplies only. Oh, it's so funny. He's, and then like the whole thing, he's like, oh, you guys were panicking? I wasn't panicking. I'm like, oh, sweetie baby, they all heard you. (laughs) Uh,
0: Like, and Lucille 2.0. Nate is a dickhead for that one. Like, come on, man. You made him blow up his original van and now you're stealing his new one. I, like, I agree. No, it's
1: a dick for that. But also the fact that it gets us a verbalized Lucille 2.0 yeah. is so funny. It's so funny. I love it. So, All so, 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 so vans are named Lucille.
0: Like, mm-hmm. every van that we get in the series is like Lucille, like, number. Like, oh my god, we lose Lucille 2? There are more numbers? Jamie! I didn't say there were more numbers. You had your main character death. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hey, Lucille doesn't have to die to get a new Lucille. Oh, you think they just replace her? You think
1: she's that easy to replace? I'm really letting my Hardison energy come out right now because
0: I'm also emotionally attached to Lucille. But if... If he gets given a new van, he would name it Lucille. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay, so we can have a fleet
1: of Lucilles.
0: Every van is named Lucille. Like, I don't make the rules. I think at some point when...
1: I don't know how season five ends, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I do think it would be fun if at the end of the series, like, we get, like, a little maybe a montage of, like, what they're all doing. uh, Mm -hmm. Like, I assume the crew, like, will go their separate ways for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. Because... It just feels weird to end it, like, at this point in any other way, unless you're just going to imply that they're going to continue running cons and the audience just doesn't get to see them. Mm-hmm. But, like, I like the idea that we get to see Hardison on, like, a yacht that's named, like, the Lucille. Like, you know what I mean? I just think that would be very fun. That would fun. be iconic. And I also think it would just be very, like, in character. Like, he's, like, on the Lucille and you get, like, a pan and, like, Parker is also there kind of thing. She's just, I don't know. Doing whatever she wants to do on a boat. I just think it would be fun. Anyway, so that's my vision. My vision is that Lucille lives on forever. As a yacht. As a... Well, I feel like Lucille still exists. Yeah, Like, Lucille Mm. 2.0 is, like, parked in a secure parking garage somewhere. Is it
0: Lucille? Like, S-E-A-L? Like, because it's a yacht?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. But yes. (laughs) That's incredible. Um. Anyway, this is getting so off track. No,
0: we're not here to talk about Lucille today. We're here <laughs> to
1: talk about daddy issues. You might not be here to talk about Lucille today. I, however, definitely am. There is room for both cars and daddy issues in this episode because it's Supernatural coded, so... Oh, also, very quickly, I want to touch on the line, I want to look him in the eye when I put him down, because whoa
0: Supernatural natural right
1: yeah but also (laughs) like just a buck wild thing for nate to
0: say (laughs) like again it's it feeds into that whole thing of like the crew's like oh you were really nice like you let him off easy yeah and nate's father being like what the fuck do you mean they let me off easy like yeah
1: yeah it's like he just does not actually understand the threat that his son poses no and it's really interesting like not to lean even further into the supernatural coding but at some point we get a scene where Sam and Dean are like they've been like apprehended but they escape um and so they're like on their like escape journey and they have a walkie talkie from like the people who are trying to get them and the people are like you're trapped in here with us and like Dean's like no no you don't understand you're trapped in here with us. And it's, like, the same vibe. It's very much like, no, you don't understand. We will take you down. Yeah. And it's only going to be so fucking easy. Like, you think you're in charge. And that's why you're going to lose. Even though I've just explained it to you, you're still going to lose. And that is the exact energy of Nate and Jimmy right now.
0: It's like, he's like, no, you're going to lose. Yeah. And we get the scene, which I think is a really, really fun sort of, like, mini parallel of the scene in the bank shot job, where you've just got, like, Parker, like, chilling in the air then. Oh, my God. Yes, when she opens the little doors. It's so cute. And she's like, he's like, I had to let him go. She's like, I know. I know that it makes you really sad that you couldn't just straight up murder your father, but, like, you had to let him go. And this is the thing.
1: I love that Parker was the one who walked in on that, because it could have been Sophie. like. And I think that in past episodes, it has definitely been Sophie. who's come in yeah. when Nate's having these emotional
0: like turmoil moments. And that makes sense. But in this instance, I am so glad it was Parker. But here's the thing. Now we know Nate and Parker have similar daddy issues. Yeah.
1: And that's why I
0: love that she was the one yeah. who came in. Also, that is such Cast slash Dean coding. Oh my God. Also, like, not Cast slash Dean coding this bit. But, like, Nate's just kind of become a new adopted father. Like... Yeah. Nate's just, like, small child. Yeah. You have now been adopted. Yeah. Like, I will... Yeah. Like, I see that your father was shit. Yeah. Yoink. This is gonna make... You're my
1: child now. This isn't gonna make so much sense to you, but it's actually Jack slash Dean coding, which is interesting. That'll be interesting to you in a few seasons. Oh, yeah.
0: But, like, it's... Oh, God, it's... The Parker-Nate parallels are insane like yeah i don't think you you and you won't fully understand the parker nate parallels until i'm missing context much later because they do continue and they continue to get more and more explicit like this is by no means the like the end the end of the parker nate parallels journey Mm. because yeah like and at this point it's pretty well like i think it's pretty well established that like nate has been like ah I see you have a shitty father figure. <laughs> I have a shitty father figure. I should be your new father figure. Are we about to be besties? <laughs> like, yeah, like it's... Yeah, it's very... And now his reaction to Archie makes... Because you can see, like, yeah. he is pulling the same parallels himself in the inside job. Oh, my oh God. you are just like my father. Oh, my God. It's actually... Bobby
1: versus John. As Nate versus Charlie is actually,
0: mm. uh, but no. So yeah. So we get we get those ones, which I think is fascinating, considering everything. Mm-hmm. But no, it's definitely like a, it's definitely like a vibe of yeah. like yeah, like Nate is Bobby,
1: yeah. Which Archie is, is john
0: Insane because I we all know my opinion on Nate. It's
1: very long standing.
0: Yeah, first season you were going, oh, yeah, Nate is, like, John-coded. And I was like, "Mm hmm. What's
1: horrifying is that
0: I'm like, how did the
1: character that started John-coded end up being Bobby-coded? Like, I think it's because I think of this show as, like, very fluffy. Yeah. That I, like, like, I'm aware that there's, like, abuse happening throughout the whole thing. But it's just, like, so expertly masked most of the time. Like, when I think of Leverage, I don't think about it being the, like, family trauma show. It's family trauma
0: in a different way to yeah. Supernatural. It's family trauma, but, like, it's fucking family, fun. It's family trauma, except for whereas Supernatural is like, okay, it's a, it's a show about family trauma, but we're focusing on the actual family where the trauma is originating. Yeah. Whereas this one's like, it's a show about family. Like, every single member of the Leverage team has family trauma yeah. that by the end of the show we will go through and examine. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe Hardison. He has family trauma, but it's not in the same way as all the other characters. Yeah. But we will go through and we will examine, like, every single character's family trauma in this show. But we're not focusing on each individual family. We're focusing
1: on the found family they've created Mm -hmm. together as a group. Yes. Which is different. It's
0: different because none of them are each other's traumatic family. God, it's so interesting. I think we've really nailed it on the head. Like, they are their, like, therapeutic found family. Mm. Who are helping them get over their individual family trauma. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. Supernatural is like, let's just focus on...
1: Yeah, it's tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, good lord.
1: Okay, I think we need to get away from Supernatural. Yeah. So I have a question
0: for you. Though I I do think it's kind of inevitable in the episode where I I think actually genuinely this is probably the most Supernatural, like, coded leverage ever is. Okay, this may be my
1: favourite episode of all time then. (laughs) So let's enjoy it while we've got it. I would gladly rewatch this episode (laughs) over and over. It was a delight. I was Mm -hmm. vibing the whole time. And one of the reasons I was vibing is because I fucking love the music in this episode. It's a vibe. There were moments where I was laughing because I was like, the music is just so funny. There were moments that I was like, oh no, this music is a perfect choice. Like, yeah, I just... Whether I thought it was cheesy or funny or, like,
0: perfect or
1: whatever, I, I was like, vibing
0: the whole time. Here's the thing, though. The, the music in Leverage is always like this. I think it's just because you've been away from Leverage for so long that you forgot what the music in Leverage is like.
1: I don't know. Sometimes the music is just bad. I've definitely, I can't remember when it was now, the but music, I've definitely made notes where I'm like, what the fuck is this music? <laughs>
0: here's the thing. The music <laughs> is sometimes maybe bad in Leverage, but it is always a vibe. It's very boppy. Whether it's good or bad, it's always a vibe. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, that, they, they do not hold back with their music.
1: No. Whatever they're leaning into, they lean hard. Yes. There was a moment in this episode where I was like, this music feels French somehow. Like, I don't...
0: <gasps> Roll the tape! Because <laughs> you did... Oh, you did like that. Album.
1: The graphics, incredible.
0: Unparalleled, really? mediocre. This experience. music
1: is French somehow? <laughs> um... Like, there was a moment as well where I was like, this music feels very Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't remember where it was. It may have been around the same time as the Cousins comment. I don't mm. remember. But, like, yeah, it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit buck
0: wild. There is, there's a lot to talk about in this episode mm-hmm. because there's some really big stuff covered. Mm-hmm. But it's like, instead of being like two dozen little things to cover, it's like you've got like five big things to cover. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we've already covered them. And I feel like a lot of them we're going to have to refer back to when we get more information. Because you don't have the entire, like, puzzle at this point. Yeah. It's yeah. just like you've just finally got, like, the edge pieces all assembled. You know what I mean?
1: Uh-huh. Like. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm having a vibe. Um, okay. I do have one very important question for you. Absolutely I, I, not. What do you think this is, a podcast where we have a conversation <laughs> about media? I promise it is not Supernatural related. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> We could make it supernatural related, but I'm going to (laughs) refrain. I've made most of this episode so far supernatural related. And honestly, half of the stuff has probably not made much sense to you because you require further context. But cork boards.
0: Yes. I I just want one that flips like that.
1: I think, first first of all, yes, I also want that. Second of all, I've never been inside a police precinct, really, like beyond the lobby. Like I've had to go in to like fill out paperwork before, Mm -hmm. but I've never been arrested. Fun fact about me um you know and so i want to know do we think in real life like for you know working on real actual crimes do they actually
0: unironically use court boards see here's the thing i think practically like it makes a lot of sense to work on a court board like that because you can visually like connect the dots
1: basically. but use literal red string <laughs> and you, like. you pins. can
0: build webs and visualize complex ideas and maps and, and maps and that sort of stuff more easily but my issue is i mean i guess because like this specific set it's meant to be like they had to like break through a locked door to get into it yeah but it's like if it's a part of like if you're bringing like you know witnesses or like suspects or anything through there yeah they can then just see all of the entire, information that you have on your entire case. Right? Like, or, like, if literally anyone manages to
1: break in. like Or if you have, like, someone... All their information
0: if, is just there. Yeah, like, or if
1: you've got someone who's, like, working from the inside. Like, I, like, I just kind of want to know. Like, is it an actual... Like, I'm trying to think. If I was genuinely mm. investigating an actual crime, I feel like I would maybe put everything out while I was working on it, but I don't think I would just leave it Like, I think I'd put it all away
0: in, like, a binder and then put the binder in, like, a locked, like, cabinet or something. See, I feel like I'd be more likely to just have all of the clippings and have, like, and spread it out over a desk. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And, like, but, like, because I understand, like, the, I understand why it would be helpful to have it all laid out like that on a cookbook. Yeah, me too. When you're working on something, and like, mind especially you, this if you're is, working
1: with more than one person, this
0: is clearly like the organized crime division. Like, yeah, this giant lettering on the door told us that. Yeah. yeah, it's very clearly the organized crime division. Like, they're very clearly working a case, which is like they're trying to connect all of the dots mm-hmm. so they can take down as many mobsters or whatever mm-hmm. as possible. But like, yeah, I just don't know. Like for security reasons, I just don't it necessarily just think that's silly. the best idea. Yeah,
1: like it just it just
0: feels a bit. And I, d- I don't know. Like like I said,
1: I've never really been in a position to know. But I feel like you see it a lot in procedural crime shows and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, is that actually a thing? Or is it just a TV thing? So that you can... So the, the audience, audience has a visual, you yeah. know?
0: Because, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious. It's a Beth has a question time. But anyway... I think that brings me to all of my thoughts being completed. Do you have anything else you'd like to add today? No, the corkboard thing was the last bit I was I wanted to ask about. All right, lovely. Well, then how would you rate this week's episode, the three-card Monty Job, out of five? Uncharacteristically, mm-hmm. I'm going to break ranks from our usual rating format. Ooh.
1: Normally, we restrict ourselves to 0.5s. Yeah. I am going to end it on a 0.75. I am gonna give it a four point seven five. Holy shit! I know. Like you're holding out your five star for. I'm holding out my five star because I don't want to give it away mid season three. Because we've two and got four seasons only, to go. We're only this is only yeah. the midway point, and Leverage thus far well, has we're a rarely disappointed bit over the midway point. Yeah, roughly, yeah. I have been rarely genuinely disappointed by yeah. Leverage. I recently saw a Tumblr poll saying that season three seems to be most people's favourite. Yeah, You know, I am interested to see what we have coming. Maybe at the end, once we've seen everything, I'll reflect back and maybe I'll decide Mm. to retroactively award this one five stars. I don't know. This is definitely, clearly, the closest I've come to wanting to give an episode Mm. five stars before. And yeah, I think a 4.75. Like, I, I loved this episode. Like, everything about it, like, I... Usually I at least have like a couple of things that yeah. I want to be like, I didn't like this or something, but the closest I've come to that was like the comment about the cousins, which honestly I
0: I can't really say much because like the amount of shit that I overlook for supernatural, yeah. like I've gotta It's like it was a weird comment about cousins. It also came from the like the bad guy of the week, the villain of the week. Yeah. It's not like it was a main core team member that you're meant to like it's not, like they, and sympathize with, like, it's not like they made Elliot weirdly sleazy again, yeah. you know? And,
1: like, the only other, like, nitpicky fucking thing that I could say is that they had the fucking, um, the, the big dramatic zoom on the giant lettering on the door of the fucking, you know, um, room that he went into that I actually can't remember what it said now. But I was like, wow, just in case you missed the giant gold lettering, let's zoom in on it specifically. <laughs> but yeah, no, 4.75. Okay. I love. I love this episode. I can't even pretend like I didn't.
0: I love that for me. So brings me <laughs> into my next question: How do slash do you think this connects into Morrow?
1: I think it does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it's difficult for me to not think that it does purely because it is reminding us specifically of big crime families in mm. the area, and like I feel like if they're not important to a larger overarching like crime ring plot, mm-hmm. it feels like silly that they would point them out so many times. Like, they name-drop the families a couple of times. Like, you've mentioned they've come up in, actually, earlier episodes. Yeah. And also, Specifically,
0: like, they've already run a con on the... No, the O'Hares. Yeah, and then when they're going through the
1: detectives' rooms, like, you even see them all written on the cork boards. Like, each family has a cork board. Yeah. And it just feels like a lot of attention to draw when they're not actually running a con on any of those families in particular at yeah. the current second. Like, it's about... Stuff happening around them. So for me, I'm like, they drew a lot of attention to these names. Mm. I think that that's something we're supposed to be paying attention to, especially coming up to sort of the second half Mm. of the season. So that would be my guess at the connection. They also mentioned Glenn Reader again
0: specifically, and like, I know that's like a running thing. It's just like a fun throwaway thing. Yeah. Don't. You'd never have to read too deeply to Glenn Reader. It's yeah. just when they want a brand of safe and they don't know what brand to use, they use Glenn Reader. Yeah. There's that. But there's also like in that whole rundown that
1: Parker gives, like we get exact numbers on like how many banks and things and like specifically on the east side. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, maybe that's going to be important later. But I think most likely it's going to
0: be the um, the family names or the families somehow. All right. Lovely. The next episode is called The Underground Job. What do you think it's about? Okay.
1: Because of what we've just been talking about, mm-hmm. my mind immediately goes to like the like criminal underground like yeah. mob kind of yeah. like thing. But I do think it would be more fun if it's something to do with like the
0: metro. Like <laughs> public transport, like yeah. subway trains. You know, like
1: I yeah. want the I want the train drivers to like okay. be on a union strike or something, you know? Like I think that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they get stuck on a train underground and they've got to like run a con that way maybe it's like that sherlock episode where there's a bomb Mm. you know i think there's only one sherlock episode with a bomb i hope that that's That's not too
0: sherlock bbc is a very niche (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) there's only like 12 episodes like i don't think (laughs) they kind of had that many bombs in them but like the one where like john and sherlock are trying to defuse the bomb and anyway that that's the one that i'm thinking maybe it's something like that
0: all right lovely well thank you so much for listening to us today if you want to interact with us at all you can find us on various social media platforms all of which will be in our link tree which will be in the description somewhere and if you want to talk to us at all suggested conversation topics
1: include let me know whether you wish I would talk less or more about Supernatural
0: Mm. (laughs) I want to know what you'd name your van like obviously Lucille is taken Mm -hmm. so like what would you name your van like what unwavering name would you bestow upon every single van ever? Yeah, I love
1: that. I also kind of want to know, like, obviously, like, the van is iconic,
0: mm-hmm. but what other, like, transport Oh, can you... we get, like, a helicopter named Lucille?
1: Well, I don't... And this not necessarily has been named Lucille, but I'm just yeah. thinking, like, what type of, like, transport option could the crew utilise? I'm thinking a bus, like, a converted bus could yeah. be fun, you know? Because, like... Like a mobile Mm. office, you know? Because they could, like, drive to their location. I'd love to see them on a train. A train would be fun. I like trains. Mm,
0: mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I feel like it'd be really fun to see the crew run um, Mm -hmm. some kind of job on, like, a long-haul train. Mm -hmm. Like, the GAN. Yeah. You know? Like, Mm -hmm. kind of like a uh, Detective Poirot sort of, like, situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that could be quite fun. I feel like that would be a vibe
0: okay editing jamie here we kept on talking about live reactions but we didn't actually have a spot to put in the live reactions so these were our live recorded thoughts they're truly delightful so enjoy all right now have i missed 10 minutes or is
1: this where it actually starts? this is where it starts wonderful you should tell from the the drum oh he's not speaking english that explains why i didn't know what he said (laughs) oh my god the fucking red slidey phone
0: we're going back to 2009 (laughs) this is
1: iconic oh no little sasha God, I've missed leverage. This is so intense. I love the dial-up sound effects. Mm. Always the Russians. He's a thief. Is that just a printer printing money? <laughs> I love that. What a fun business plan. Oh a smartphone. I love Parker having a little smirk. Mm. Oh, it's counting the money. Mm. Right, that makes more sense. <laughs> that was the least smooth mm. they have ever been. You took three papers Wait, as if Hardison didn't just, like, cover his own ass though, like, what? A- he can't be that cocky, like, I know he's cocky, but surely you grab
0: the orange <laughs> fucking drink? Where's Sophie? He told her to go, remember? Oh, yeah, he's I like got so go.
1: distracted by everything I completely forgot what had just happened.
0: Oh, did I not mention this is the start of <sighs> Nate being really Sam-coated? His dad's even wearing the fucking leather jacket with mm-hmm. the collar. I... So this is Three Card Monte. This is what the Episode Nate after. He wears a fedora.
1: <laughs> Dumb hats run in the family. I, I've never related to Nate more in my life and I hate it. Love that they have a full graphic for mm-hmm. it. I love that it spans three TVs. <laughs> I love this stupid show. <laughs> Lucille! 2.0. 2.0. Nate! You're done gone fucked up, son. <laughs> this is kind of giving me the vibe of like, um, you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine with Jake and. Um, dub duty it's like a less fun (laughs) version of that like you know that jake's gonna get fucked over yeah but like i wish i knew what the three card monty was because i feel like i could have picked this like (laughs) i just don't know the card trick but like the whole time he was playing it i was like i literally i was like i wonder if he slipped the queen away and that's why he can never pick the queen. And, like, I'm kind of annoyed because Nate knew the card trick and, like, he should have picked this up sooner. Like, I get a free pass because
0: I didn't know what the card trick was. Well, here's the thing. In three-card Monty, the queen is normally on the table. Okay. Normally the queen is there. But the way Nate's father plays it. Yeah. He takes the queen out
1: of play.
0: Like, if you've got someone not honest doing it, they slip the queen away. Yeah. So that you've got no hope. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I still... He should have figured it out sooner. Yeah. (laughs)
0: was blinded by Nate. the fact it was his father oh that's so supernatural of him <laughs> Jimmy Papadopoulos is clearly the important character I, I was talking about earlier I fucking
1: love Jimmy Papadopoulos also the fact that his name is Jimmy <laughs> fun fact to bring back at this point hmm. I guess the giant zoom up on the words as if we hadn't noticed the giant gold words <laughs> do you think the police departments actually have big cork boards like this or do they just do it for television I don't know I think it would be really fun if it's Mm. true. But I also think it would just be very silly. (laughs) I'm fascinated to see how this episode is going to end. I have very few notes. Uh, That's okay. Because I said most things out loud.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to us waffle on for like an hour today, though. Have a lovely afternoon, evening, night, midday breakfast, brunch. 3 a.m. 2 a.m. Ooh, one up me. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Okay,
1: hear me out, though. I want a Knives Out-style, like, murder mystery, but I want the entire cast of Leverage to be in on it. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the whole crew? And then Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Ooh, Hello Fresh. Mm-hmm. If we were a truly successful podcast, we would be advertising Hello Fresh, not just watching ads for it <laughs> while we wait for it. <laughs> free to air streaming service
0: to (laughs) Gload. We could get Amazon Prime and watch it without ads if you really wanted to, but
1: it feels wrong to watch leverage on Amazon Prime, you know?